welcome back to the Swedish podcast. Uh, last week's episode was a nice and short one, introducing me and Kat. Uh, and this week, um, I'm delighted to welcome both Kat back um, and the wonderful Emily Juf. Um, and Emily, would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. Hi. Um, <laughs> we we are doing this remotely again. Yay! The power yeah. of coronavirus. Mm. <laughs> um, as times uh, require us to be safe, and uh, if somebody's not feeling hundred percent, so um, we're all doing this in our respective homes. Um, and uh, please forgive us if the sound isn't quite up to your standard or expectation but uh, needs must at the moment so um yeah uh emily thank you so much for doing this podcast we really appreciate it um it's a pleasure thanks for having much. me <laughs> um it's been a long time coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm uh I'm, I'm sorry about that um we planned to do this what was it the beginning of i can't even remember when we first planned to do this I have no idea. I think we were still allowed to go out and meet people then. Yeah. It was that long ago. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> it feels like a different world. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, some time ago um, we planned to do this in life and this 2020 basically mm. got in the way. Mm. Um, uh, but it was to talk about um First and foremost, um, Emily's career as a children's author mm-hmm. and the amazing books that she's written so far. Um, and from my, I, I have both copies of the books. Um, and from my perspective, I, I love the fact that you've touched on this, um, this really, it's, it's so hard to, 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 to pinpoint it when, it, you know, I'm trying to find the words to describe it. This, I guess, it's as simple as the the, the third culture kid mm. element. Mm. You know, the thing that we were talking about in this podcast, which is, you know, when you have a foot in two different cultures, and you're trying to blend those cultures, mm. and and um, but I think also and more importantly to that is the the storytelling and the representation. That you're bringing in these books um there it's wonderful stories um i think that from your would you say they're they they're kind of reminiscent of your childhood or part and parcel of not really um well to a certain extent um so the focus of my writing is kind of stem from motherhood so it's more my children's experience than mine but there's always a little sprinkling of things that i have been through and experienced as well mm. so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and the books both the um the first books i just want to get this in before we actually deep dive into you Mm-hmm. Both books. Um, the the first book that um, was published was called Smaka po Fruktana, um, and um, it's the story of Ella and Louis um, on their travels in Gambia. Um, and the second book is uh, Hem Har Odar, um, which I come kind of almost had a tear in my eye when I was reading it to my daughter, oh. to be quite honest, because um, it, it's you know. It's, it's got the in, in interactive aspect of it where you can really bring, the, you know, the questions that you ask in the book are very reflective 
mm. for 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 you know for anybody um mm. but also share this wonderful um heritage with yeah. your children and you see it through the book and it's just mm. absolutely gorgeous mm. um so so those are the two books that i would thoroughly recommend that you um pick up for your for your kids they're fantastic and you can and we'll, we'll go into the we'll go into how you can find those um where you can find them to find the books um at the end of the podcast but um emily let's start with you yeah tell us how you found your way to sweden okay so finding my way to sweden i was anticipating talking about how i became an author <laughs> but no so i i came here out of curiosity to be perfectly honest um we lived in london uh, my then uh, fiance and i and um we loved it all was fine and i just i'm a bit of a third culture kid so i travel on average every five to seven years um and uh and since we were going to get married i thought this would be it would be a nice point to try something new particularly as i knew that london is not that family friendly and i thought well sweden you know i'm a, i work in uh in the development world um for ngos and uh we've always talked and learned about sweden and gender equity and family life balance and i thought well sweden might be nice it was as simple as that yeah. um so I sent my CVs to a bunch of countries and I got an interview in a teaching role here and and there that was it we showed up. Wow. So, so you didn't really know much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, that's that's the way it is. That's how it happens, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. you start the you start the process not knowing very much. Yeah. Um so and so you're and you're orig- you're originally you mentioned that you're a third culture kid yeah how 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 does what's in, in mm. what's your experience of that so my uh my mom is malian french and my dad is gambian and they had me in nigeria uh, because my dad was working there mm. so um yeah i was born in a country that i'm not that i don't have a biological heritage to yeah. um and then from there we moved around so i we lived in Brussels and France and then wow. at some point we did move back to the Gambia which is where my dad is from and I stayed there for 10 solid years without mm. without a break and mm. I think that was really important for my roots to really settle in yeah. West Africa and feel like I have a deeper connection to that part of the world also to learn the language and all yeah. the cultural norms because it's quite a heavy task for parents to pass this on when you're living in in another country mm. um, um and then uh, i moved back to paris for college london for uni and um and yeah and then i traveled a bit and then ended up here <laughs> wow wow yeah. i i mean i yeah i am not a third culture kid i can't i just can't even <laughs> I can't i'm a even many culture kid that. <laughs> that's, yeah it's like six or seven culture kids there at this that's, that's incredible so how did i mean you, that was an interesting thing that you mm. mentioned about you lived you decided to to go to the Gambia and you stayed there for 10 years mm. um but before that how as a child how did you how did it I don't know if you can when you're a child and you don't know any better I don't really know if you can mm. put this into words but maybe as an adult you've reflected on it but how did that kind of that that having your feet in so many different cultures Mm. How did that impact you as a kid? Um so 
I think that it, I was lucky enough to have that experience where different wasn't an issue. So yeah. I went to schools where a lot of people were probably like me, like dual cultural. And um, my parents had friends from all over the world. And, and so I guess the most important thing that I got from that time is that uh, difference was the norm. So that yeah. when you're choosing your friend, you wouldn't look for the person who spoke the same language or who came from the same place as you. You would go with the, for the friend who, I don't know, plays the same game instead. Yeah. Because automatically we were all others. And I think I never reflected on that until I moved here and difference was an issue. Yeah. And then I was like, but difference is awesome. I'm sorry. What are we talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> Why must we all be the same? <laughs> um, and so I think that was one of the best things about growing up the way I did. But also really significant that my parents decided to um, to have us stay in the Gambia for, for that period of 10 years. Because I feel that... Um, even though I feel emotional connections to all my other homes, there is a certain depth that I have in relation to the Gambia and Mali um, mm. that I'm so grateful for. And I mm. don't normally have to reach towards those places as homes until you're kind of, until you really feel othered. And then you think, but where do I belong? And then those ones can really shine out and be like, okay, well, you know, I, I have my people there. Um, so that connection was actually really important to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But as an adult, I chose London as my home and I, I miss it daily. So oh, there's, you know, <laughs> there's homes that you belong to and homes that you choose. And it's a complicated thing for me, but something that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it fascinating to be mm-hmm. to hear how uh, how everybody how everybody um, has such a diverse perspective on how to deal with um multiculturalism and where they come from and how they how they identify with that I mean identity for me that is a huge question um and something that I I I would actually like to if I went back to university I think probably study more Mm. in depth Mm. is how identity plays such a huge role and Mm. and how often actually nowadays identity is forgotten Mm. when it comes to dealing with um questions of immigration or 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 migration or um how and especially political rhetoric there Mm. is no ever there's never any talk of identity and Mm. what role that plays in in how somebody forms an attachment to Mm. a a, a person or a place um so, I just wanted to add that um, I think that's as a result of the rhetoric of the disconnect between research and the practical lives that we live, because we do know these these things. We do know that identity is formed through the collective experiences and how how much of an impact this has on a person. I actually did study this at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm an anthropology major with yeah. a focus on, on social anthropology and people and culture. And... Um, and like you say, like even in my in my line of work um, as an education advisor, there's a lot of things that we design or plan for, and we don't particularly spend a lot of time thinking about the normative behaviors or the cultures that that whatever it is that we're doing will be implemented in, and that that's really quite a big miss, you know, because mm-hmm. some, we are the way we are because of where we're from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of referring to the 
not not even not even in sort of education but just right at the, at the top of policy making you know mm. like it, it, politics and econ- economics they they constantly miss the miss the point yeah. of um uh of identity as, as, a, as playing such a major role in in, in, in place place making and so on Mm. And I think, um, uh, you know, it would be so refreshing to to hear a, 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 an immigration minister turn mm. around, turn around and say, "No, right. but we can't do that," you know, mm. <laughs> because I it's going to mess with somebody's, you know, sense of <clears throat> sense of place and sense of belonging. Mm. Um, but of course, that's never going to happen. We but... can dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Going back to your, you, you, you and your uh, then fiance decided to make the move from London to, to Sweden. Mm. Um, and you said that you'd worked with um, a lot of NGOs and development um, organizations that uh, had, would you say they'd highlighted Sweden as a really great place for, for families <clears throat> and children? I think that it is perhaps not in the actual working spaces, but more at school. So when you, when you delve into anything that has to do with the developing world, Sweden is highlighted. It's a very open society, a welcoming society. People mm. do well and they recycle and all that. So, yeah, I'd say it was from my academic background, but also like conferences that I've been on or like global reports. You always see Sweden highlighted a little. Yeah. You know, it's the good guy. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's probably what I had at the back of my mind. Yeah. yeah. And, and did it? meet up to those expectations well to I mean in terms of family life absolutely so I used to work in London in children's centers and so Mm -hmm. I I was very close I didn't have children but I was very close to people who were trying to balance family Mm -hmm. life schooling Mm -hmm. um childcare. um so Sweden is just miles away in terms of those things but also just access to green space as a Londoner when you move to Stockholm you know um (laughs) it's quite shocking so absolutely in terms of my or our family's ability to to find a balance with uh, climate and sustainability holidays homework um brilliant early years yes in that sense um i think like we were just discussing what we didn't think about was the cultural aspect and Mm. i'm i'm such a chameleon when it comes to cultures i adapt very very fast but um but i'm really struggling with sweden in that it's Mm. in many ways on the polar opposite side of some of my cultural norms Mm-hmm. And and that means it's that much harder for me to to be confronted with the fact that I need to uh, adapt and assimilate assimilate or just accept that I will always stand out uh, and that would have a negative connotation, yeah. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So certain things have been brilliant, other things very much a challenge. And we've uh, been here 10 years, just to yeah. say, it's been a while. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. I think you've hit the, for me, you've hit the nail on the head there by saying that kind of sense of, you know, there's, it does, does feel like you either have, you only have two options. There's only stay, adapt, assimilate, mm. or just know that you will always be other. Hmm. I yeah and I think that's where that I think that's how I'm very much how I feel right yeah. now yeah actually yeah. I think that links in with what uh, we were talking about in the in the last podcast episode as well about 
you know that there are there seem to be only three ways of doing it you either go completely uh, one way into total assimilation mm. or you end up with this sort of negative thing of always comparing with with home or other other places that you've lived mm. or you try and find this balance mm. in the middle and and it's such a, a tricky a, a tricky tightrope to walk of, mm. of trying to find that mm. that balance in life so that you you feel comfortable here you're happy being here but mm. you also keep the things with you that you've you've learned from from living in other countries and other cultures yeah yeah i've always wondered if it's got something to do with community actually mm. um I... like there is a distinct lack of community in sweden or a different sense of community Dif- and yeah I think that it's amplified because we live in the big cities, right? Because we're in Stockholm. Sure. Um, maybe that experience is different if we, like over the summer we travel around and I, I do get a sense that people are closer and warmer in the smaller towns and cities, mm-hmm. but also still fiercely independent. Um, mm. But in Stockholm, um, I find it hard to build a community with people who are not Afro-Swedish. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's a little bit, you know, the thing I was talking about being opposite and looking for, to make connections with people who are like you, yeah. uh, with race and ethnicity being the most obvious one. Yeah. Um, so that will, that always kind of feels a bit, uh, a bit of a challenge because, I mean, I didn't even think of it at the time, but really the example that made me realize how I am, is like when I got to, London uh uni the first year the first thing you do is go and you join clubs and things um and I joined the the Japanese society because I love Japan my best friend before was Japanese I love everything about the culture and then I showed up and I realized everybody was Japanese but me (laughs) and and then I got it like it wasn't like a club let's go discover it's like here are your people here's your community Mm. so you feel safe at home yeah and I mean I stayed for a while and left but I didn't go and join the Afro Swedish the Afro Caribbean society because I didn't feel the need to I was like okay you know I make friends and and that was that but it it reminds me today that um, if I struggle to make these connections it's often because I'm looking for connection in spaces where they're not looking to give it to me you know it's not that they aren't there I'm looking in the wrong spaces (laughs) Mm. and yeah I uh yeah I um oh I haven't really I'm not great at looking for for I'm not great at looking for connections um and when I started a little bit abroad Mm. um it was uh very much a kind of reaction to what the hell have I done I've moved to this country I don't know the first thing about I've moved to this country I've become a new mother I'm a foreigner, I'm an immigrant. This is a whole new identity that I don't really I can't I just can't get my head around. I can't assimilate with. I can't mm. cope with. Mm. Um and so I started to that that was the first time I've ever done that whole kind of like really act, active reaching out looking mm. for people. Mm. Um mm. And um, 
there was a there was a there was a at first I, I remember walking down a street in 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 Boston going I can't I can't possibly be the only person that's in mm. this situation mm. um you know because I genuinely having having been here for a few months I genuinely felt like I did like I mm. there was you know people were there wasn't it the experiences that I'd had with trying to join some expat groups was very much like oh um this is only for this group of people who mm. have these connections with this particular work mm. or with this particular society or something mm. um so it yeah with with little bear abroad it was um it, it was quite, you know, I was quite astounded to find the number of people that were in the same boat as mm. me. Um, but of course, I didn't have that. I didn't have the the secondary, or not the secondary, that's that's not the right word. I didn't, I, I never had to think about, you know, my ethnicity or mm. my... Uh, uh my heritage or which you know i'm and for that i think you know i really wish i could see your face right now but i can't <laughs> uh, i've got a very serious I, uh, pensive i've <laughs> <laughs> uh, just um like i i and i i can't even what i'm trying to say is i cannot even begin to imagine having to take that into consideration as well as all the other things that mm. I was you know thought was a thought was a big problem at the time mm. so it mm. must it, you know to, to be suddenly confronted with that when you came to Sweden mm. after kind of going through all of these different cultural experiences of that you you, you talked about previously of you know embracing other embracing mm. you know the differences amongst your friends and amongst your you, the people that you got to know mm. like that must have been uh, uh, wow yeah I can't well even, it I, took a while to, for me to realize hmm. this might be a race thing or hmm. because it's not it's not always um like the first thing you think is a migrant is mm. I need to do better, right? I just need to learn the language. Yeah. I just need to, you know, get the, the social cues, right? And all that. And then after a while, then you start thinking, well, okay, it can't just be me, you know? Yeah. And then you also, um, I got to speak to more people and realized that my experience was completely common. There was nothing yeah. special about me being on the outside. Yeah. Um, and also this additional layer, like you said, that we're all we're all actually alone together. This is the way things are. Like uh, our expectations are off the mark here, so yeah. to speak, in the city. Um, like you know, when you go to playgroup, I think I'll come back to the little bear abroad. But when I went to the playgroup, I was shocked that people go with their babies and play with their babies. Like you don't go to playgroup to play with to meet other people and talk to other people yeah and for your kids to interact no you go and you hold your baby for an hour they play with the stuff there and you go home yeah and I kept going to different groups thinking maybe this is just like this neighborhood but yeah. that's the way it is so I think for my first child I don't think I ever got to speak to anyone beyond saying hey you know and, and that crazy. was 
ultimately depressing. So I think uh, Little Bear Abroad is just so important um, in order to give us a community where we are all welcome, because you are right in that um, there are some spaces here where we could tap into, but they are kind of tailored to like-minded people or people in the same situation and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think even like in most play groups here, the moms go with someone they already know, yeah. which is really, you know, uh, nice for them, not so great if you're looking to connect. Um, so that that's one thing. But in terms of race and ethnicity, um, like, like, I guess... I'm always aware that I am a minority and that I am a black woman, um, but that was never really a problematic, not mm. that much. I mean, mm. I lived in Paris where things are <laughs> a little bit more volatile sometimes, but still, you know, there are lots of other ethnicities and, and, and dynamics going on. But yeah. here, I think it's a little bit more straight straight up to your base um in that for example like uh, an employer would offer offer me the job and then a week later he called me and said i know you said yes but the team is actually very reluctant to have you um and she didn't say because you are she said because you 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 will be speaking english and, and it would be great if you could come in and meet the team and then make your mind up you know uh, and that for me is very black and white they were yeah. saying <laughs> don't want you because you're different um and and so it it took a long time for me to realize that this is prejudice and this is discrimination it took literally I always say four years because that's the time I got a job that's the time it took for me to get a job Mm -hmm. similar to what I left in London Mm um and uh and people often say it's probably language or or whatnot but you know um, I can't do math, but language I can do. I speak like four or five languages. I have a great ear. That's that's definitely not it. Yeah. And I was applying for like reception jobs all yeah. the way up to project management. And I never got an interview. If I can't interview for a receptionist, what yeah. am I doing wrong? Yeah. So I, I think it's kind of uh, sad, but true that, that, uh, that race has a bigger role to play here in terms of coming into the communities that you normally would Mm. maybe in other spaces um Mm. and this is the reason why i write books because Mm. um i felt like i had no other way to deal with it um Mm. and and more importantly i was raising a child who was now afro-swedish and and uh and feeling the microaggressions already by the time she was three, despite all our efforts um, mm. to hang out with diverse people, to do things uh, with people from everywhere. We chose schools that were further just so that she would never be like the only visible minority, yeah. to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, and yet she was still going through this. Um, yeah. And it was in no way unique. I was actually thinking about this today, how the people you surround yourself with have a direct impact on the kind of information you have access to. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people that there's, you know, incidents of racism every single day in Stockholm, they're like, yeah, no, not really. But that's because um, you don't have a relationship of trust with the people who are on the receiving end of this 
uh, of the racism. While for me, I'm part of so many communities and groups and I hear it every day, people looking for support. How do I talk to teachers? What do I do about this? This happened, how do I respond? So I actually know it's more common than people think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why I feel like one of the things I really want to come out of Black Lives Matters is for people to put themselves out there so that they can create these connections so that we can address this as a community rather than mm-hmm. as a tiny subsection that is on the receiving end of this horrific experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and I do. I, Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is you're allowed to do that here. <laughs> it's like to say whatever you want. Um, there. That's that's one thing. Um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say now. <laughs> just, just it was it was in relation to that, but just let it just drift away off brain. my head there. <laughs> I'll come back to it in a second. But Kat, you. Um, you wanted to talk about you've Emily you've done lots of um, writing for Mm. uh, newspapers and you know um, print media Mm. Um, and how did how did you how did that happen so because it's a pretty hard industry to break into that one mm, <laughs> it's really strange it was never intentional to be perfectly honest um when I had my daughter then I started a blog like a tiny mental health blog where I just aired out my thoughts and my feelings um and the, there was no ambition around it it was just you know one of those things that it felt therapeutic for me to 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 talk about things we were going through like diaper rash and yeah. play group and stuff like that and um and I wrote this post about when I finally got a job so uh, a job in my field a job that I was happy with um and it was uh it was a blog post detailing my experience and and uh I think I had applied for 240 jobs and gotten one interview um and somehow um uh, some media person picked it up and uh and printed it in i think it was uh print media to do with Abitinelian or Akasa, i don't really remember mm. um and that was kind of the first time that i got uh some kind of uh, attention for my writing mm. and then there's also the fact that i am i'm a networker i'm a people person i do mm-hmm. put myself out there a lot and as I was trying to get into the society, I volunteered for lots of groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served on boards. Um, and I think through that, I, I have built a network of people where they kind of recognize that my experience is a little bit different uh, in that I'm an Afro-Swede, but not like, um, like nothing, nothing ties me here. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not married to a Swede. I don't have yeah. to be here. I'm genuinely here because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> love it, yeah. but love it. Um, and somehow that perspective is appreciated and I get invited to write for things. And, and also the Gambian community, I'd say that's the last thing. So being part Gambian, there is a huge Gambian community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of, kind of look to each other and our expertise and competences and bring each other in when we can so Uh that's kind of been my in to writing in 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 the media not the book specifically but more of my work that's out there or Mm -hmm. my opinion rather so so why did you then go why did you then make the decision to go to 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 author children's children's books I have no desire to be an author. Okay. <laughs> we'll use that word again. Yeah. We'll not 
use that word again. No, no, it's no, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like an honest reflection that I chose to be uh, to work in development because I genuinely thrive, love it. I, I think about it all the time. I decided I would do this when I was about six or six or seven. I think I was like, I'm going to work for the UN and, and I've kind of stuck to it and done well enough in it. Um, so this it's a career that I enjoy and I um I always make up stories for my kids. And like I said, I've been blogging. But when my daughter, who was then three or four, had this kind of uh, very difficult period where she felt othered all the time and she didn't want brown skin and she didn't want curly hair. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have a background in these things. So I knew that it, this was her self-esteem that was speaking to me. So how do we lift this up? We need to show her, we need to mirror herself. Uh, and she needs to see herself as beautiful. Yeah. And books is one of the ways that you can do that. Um, mm -hmm. So we increased our reading list on books that had characters, characters that look like her and stories from the African diaspora, stories that have a little bit more mantra-esque, you know, I am beautiful, I'm bold, yeah. I'm brave, that kind of thing. Um, and it just, it did wonders for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I thought, wow, books are awesome. And then the next thing was then she didn't ask, she kept asking me things like, I would say every night I go choose your book and she would say a book about police or a book about sushi. And then she one day said a book about the fruits we ate in the Gambia. No, in grandma's house. And I was like, okay. And then I realized there is no book. I mean, to date, I have not found a book from, from the Gambia that just has, you know, basic fruits or dishes for children. Uh -huh. um, and then I was like, okay, we can put this together, you and I, we can do this. What's your favorite fruit? And we went through it. And then me being me, I was like, well, I'm not just going to do this for her. There must be <laughs> children all over, <laughs> all over who would like to discover what a kaba is or salam mm. salam or how mm. juicy a mango is. Why not? Um, and and that's kind of, that's it. That's me. I find an idea and I run with it. And so mm. I printed the first book and it's magical. Like mm. my nieces and nephews now say, oh, I want to be an author. Or she comes back with pieces of paper stuck together. And <laughs> it has had such an impact around me that I thought, okay, you know, what else is missing? Like, what would you like to see? Um, and there's a couple of themes that my kids have challenged me to write about uh, like the Hemaharoda, the title in English is our favorite things, is, is um, so it's the moment I realized my kids were also TC, third culture kids, yeah. in that when I said yeah. to them, uh, what's your favorite place? And they, they just went on like a, a spot, like my best friend's place in London, uh, mm -hmm. their grandpa's house in the Gambia, Gotland. Mm -hmm. And it just came out in a stream of consciousness. And I thought, goodness, geography has no meaning to these kids. You know, yeah. this is their experience. Mm -hmm. This is what is at the core. And I wanted to write a book that didn't differentiate spaces that just, you know, tell me about the things you love. And if those two things, those things you love happen to come from different spaces, well, then that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I wrote that book, because that book doesn't exist on the shelves yet. Um, and I think that's what I, that's what moved me so much mm -hmm. about the book, about mm -hmm. Hema, that, uh, Harada, Hema Haradad, yeah. Harada. Um, and uh, it was, it, it, it absolutely encapsulated, you just said it right there, you know, that mm -hmm. there was no geography, there was no boundaries, there was mm -hmm. no borders, you know, there was mm -hmm. no, this is only allowed here and that's only allowed there. there it's, right. And I, you know, kind of being able to reflect on the questions that you ask in the books and have mm. that conversation with my daughter, 
Stella yeah. as well, who, yeah. you know, she identifies as being Swedish, but at the same time, she also has an awful lot of influence from Scotland and from her grandparents, and also, you know, from Småland and from down in Gotland too, Scotland and Gotland. Um, so it, you know, there wasn't, it, she was, it was a similar situation. She loves Shatbula yeah. from Alphonse, but she also <laughs> wants to have uh i don't know haggis and, yes. and other things that she's eaten from scotland you know that it's like it's, it was the same kind yeah. of same yeah. like it was yeah that's the thing there like there is nothing unique about our experience right children all over the world have roots from different places it could be from two different towns it could be from it doesn't exactly. have to be as big as we think about it and so children really really relate and that has been the most amazing comment for me is that parents call me and go oh my daughter thought it was about her you know and then I think yeah "Yeah, that's that's exactly it I want you to think you are so important you are in a book it's that simple um so that's that's him ahead or that I really Mm. I really really am so happy that that book is that there it's like blood sweat and tears (laughs) but it's worth it (laughs) well I have to say having having you know we're we're in the process Kat and I are in the process of trying to author a a, a co-author a book as well and we're not getting anywhere fast with it (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you that for a fact yeah yeah um so I'm uh so it's I think yeah I think it's an incredible achievement to to have anything have anything published these days so I think it's um they're wonderful um but I do um the the last thing I wanted to touch on was um how uh Actually, was there anything else that you wanted to to mention, Kat? Ask Emily. Um, actually, I wanted to ask just one thing that, that came up there, Emily, when you were saying that um, you were looking for books for your daughter. Mm. I mean, I'm guessing you were having to get these books from, like, internationally, that, that they're not available in Sweden at all, I would imagine. Mm, some of them are. So... Um... This is the awesome thing about Sweden, right? We the libraries are amazingly stocked, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you can also request things. Like most people don't know, you can. You, it's a little space on their website, on each local website, where you can recommend books, but also ask if the library can buy it in. So the library was surprisingly well stocked. It's just people don't really know what to look for. You almost need a book list that highlights certain themes to be to kind of guide you or help you navigate stuff. And also libraries can send things to each other. So for example, in spaces where there's a lot of multicultural families like Shista, they probably have a more diverse reading list than, I don't know, you know what I mean yes and so if you if you if you find a book online that you like you can just request it and then they'll send it over um and and so there was a lot that we got from the libraries but I did order heaps from Amazon uh and I got my family involved I've got family in London family in the states and uh and yes so like half of my salary goes to books but (laughs) but it's a worthy investment absolutely yeah I just yeah I just want to encourage people to to start in the library because there's really good good um, resources there. And since then, like Ella was three or four then, now she's seven. Now there's Ulika Falog, you know, there's an yes. entire publisher that focuses on diverse and uh, inclusive books. So there's also Elsa Oksam, which yeah, is- Yeah, I love that store. Yes, and, and so there's actually more stuff closer than we 
think. Um, they just maybe don't have the huge platform that maybe they need. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but change is around the corner. I think I'm so. eternally optimistic. Yeah. I I was it, recently we were in uh, Orleans picking up mm. a birthday present for for somebody, and uh, we of course. I always end up in the the bookstore part of mm. the the thing, but I was in the children's section, mm. and um, I think it was um, yeah we we had ju- we just got the books from you, Emily, and mm. of course we'd read them three or four times, <laughs> which was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I was kind of looking, and and Stella was really attracted to the idea of. Uh, in the in the smoke of fructana, she was. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of being of of there being so much variety, like mm-hmm. all of the different types of fruits and vegetables and tastes that were out there. So she was like, I want to know more about this. Where how can we find out more about these different fruits? So of course, mm-hmm. I was in the kids department having a look at all the different um, books and so on that they had to see if there was anything um, that mm-hmm. kind of popped out, and there was nothing. Yeah. absolutely nothing I mean I was looking at the shelves going there has to be something here which is you know it's you know even newly published anything nothing nothing mm-hmm. um and the di- the range of di- diversity on those bookshelves was kind of obsolete actually mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't even existing mm-hmm. and I kind of was it, it was it, it so, didn't, I- didn't surprise me yeah, but it, the, the the extent of it really, I was really like, oh guys, mm. come on, this mm. like really, really honestly, this 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 stage in the game, are we at mm. that now? Mm. It kind of, I was, yeah. I am still trying to understand the bookshelves in the stores. I think it has to do with sales. Um, yeah. I don't know, but also specific marketing. So I would say that you would find a lot more range online yeah. uh, than you would in a store. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Instagram is basically dedicated to recommending oh, books. <laughs> because... Do you have any idea how many of your Instagram pictures Yay. I've saved? Yay, <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> I save them all. Okay, save for later. Bye for Yeah, but I am trying to understand story. exactly that. Um, like how do, like who decides what gets to be on the, you know, mm. in the window and things like that. And and I know there's an entire process and this is, this is the thing. I'm an author without knowing anything about this authoring world um but I have been lucky enough to connect to a really great editor at uh, one of the big ones Robin and Hoegren and uh and we've had a bunch of conversations where she trying to explain the market and the systems and um yeah I mean it's like everything right there is there is an established way of doing things Mm -hmm. um and they're not blind to what's going on in the rest of the world and they are trying to implement some changes Mm. they're always going to feel super slow for people like me um but I think that kind of feedback might be useful for the people in the actual stores right to a certain extent you could if you're looking on the shelves and you're not happy with what you see Mm. you could just tell up yeah I, I I always recommend uh books when I walk in but also to my library I'm like well have you thought it's last love it now right like yeah. has been yeah. renamed um 
and I, I just walk on to, to as many libraries as possible and go, would you like me to come read for you? And then you could have a theme around this. Like it could be fruits, as simple as that. Fruits, yeah, yeah. three to six. And then you can gather as many as you can find around the world. It could, like Halloween is around the corner. And Absolutely. then you could see uh, what books around that theme, but lay an additional emphasis on making sure that they are inclusive and diverse. And I think it might be challenging because they're not as many in Swedish and uh, there's a lot more out there for English readers um, but still I think the process is is in motion that in that much I'm sure uh, I have a book coming out next year that will be tell us tell us, tell us. <laughs> I can well yes I can tell you guys bits so I have one bit around water <laughs> okay uh, and swimming and things like that and our experiences around that which is super exciting uh -huh. uh, and that will be published through a mainstream publisher which is super Ooh, exciting yes. and, yes. ah. um i i can't believe it i have to hold that book to actually believe it's real but um <laughs> <laughs> but i'm also working on one more book uh together with so my kids do ballet both my kids um and this is one of the asks, right? My son is like, where is me <laughs> with his three-year-old oh, <laughs> grammar? Yeah. It's like, mommy, where's me? You know, I, and, and so we've had this mission to find books with brown boys doing ballet with dreadlocks. Um, I can tell you there are not so many. No. Uh, and so we've been working on that narrative and we're going to do that together with the kids' school. It's called Ballet International. Yeah. And uh, Miss Gina, who is the head there, is just pretty awesome. So awesome. we will have a ballet book out next year. That's for sure. That is amazing. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well, I feel thoroughly. Uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, this has been a really lovely conversation. Thank you so yeah. much, Emily. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add about where people can find you? Just brag. Yeah. Brag, brag. <laughs> Bragging bits. Um, yeah, so I write on my website called mbife.com, which is M. B I F E. So there is my blog, and there are also my books for sale. And um, yeah, it's a good place to find book recommendations as well. And um, what else? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on all social media as well, and I love to hear from people. I'd love to hear from people who want to write as well. So if you have a story deep down and you don't know where to start, you can reach out to me because I think we need more writers, more diverse writers. We need more moms writing. Oh my gosh, about awesome. that experience. Yeah. Um, yes, that's kind of it. That's amazing. Yes, mm -hmm. please do get in touch with Emily if you're listening and you have a burning desire to get that story out there. Yes. And um, you can also follow her on Instagram mm -hmm. um, at what's the handle again? Mbife, M-B-I-F-E, underscore books, B-O-O-K-S. That's simple. There you go. Yes. Lovely. Um, so, Emily, can we maybe possibly invite you back another time? My vision, my mission, what I would love to do is actually have like a whole group panel discussion about mm. certain things, uh, potentially about all the things that we want to talk about um, mm. in the future to do with, oh, life in Sweden um but would that be something that you would yeah do? that would be amazing yeah, in case you haven't noticed I love talking yes and it's so nice to connect with people even if it's digitally because that's what we have right now yeah. it's nice to 
to, to be a part of something like this. So thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. And um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.